to the Purdue Basketball Podcast. I'm Elliot Bloom, joined by the Hall of Famer, the voice of the Boilermakers, Larry Clisby. Episode 55 here on the podcast, and uh, before we jump into our interview and uh, introduce our, our guest today, I wanted to take a few minutes. It's been a, um, it's been a, a little while uh, since we've had our last podcast, and uh, we've had a busy spring and early summer um, with uh, the, the program and um, in both what we do uh, professionally and in our personal lives. And uh, uh, we wanted to want to kind of update everybody. Um, first of all, Larry, welcome. Thank you. And uh, some big news for you on a couple fronts. Um, you got married recently. And uh, yep. so now a married man. And uh, that, that wedding uh, occurred in June uh, down in Florida. And I was lucky enough to be there, and a, a great, a great time, great weekend, and everybody that was there had a wonderful time and very happy for you. So you have to be beaming a little bit from that. Well, we we both were, and uh, Michelle put that whole thing together, and of course I looked at it on paper, and I thought, well, I, you know, I, I don't know if this is going to work out or anything like that. <laughs> Boy, it was. Uh, it was unbelievable how how well everything worked, and uh, we just had a grand wedding. I know people asked me what it was like. It it was great, and uh, and we had a lot of friends down there with us that were able to share it with us, far more than we ever thought we could get down there. I mean, you know, it, we weren't paying for people to come and see us, so it was uh, you know it was it was really. A great honor to see so many people, a lot of people out of my past, and see my relatives. And, yeah, everybody was in there pretty tight, so it was kind of cool. Lately. Yeah, it was a great, uh, great time, and um, uh, everybody had a just really enjoyed themselves, and uh, it was a great weekend. You guys looked uh, very happy, and then in, in recent news, um, a lot of people have, uh, or I saw an article in the Lafayette Journal Courier. Um, about the wedding, Nathan and, Baird did it, and I Nathan like brought it. brought up the fact that you uh, you came out to uh, the song "Staying Alive," the Bee Gees song, and uh, yeah, which yeah, was yeah. great. That was uh, that might have been the <laughs> highlight of the might have been the highlight of the weekend. And I don't think many people knew you had told me beforehand because I had a little part in the wedding, um, and so I had known you were going to do that before, but a lot of people did not. And uh, the look on their face when you came out to that was was. Pretty, <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> and how about and you know I'm still not walking 100 percent yet. And how about my little dance down the oh, runway was, there? You know, it was great. I admit I was a little nervous with the with as you said you're walking. I'm like I hope he keeps his balance, but you did, and it all worked out great. Oh yeah, it was great. It really was, and I just you know hey. I go out tomorrow. That was a great way to go out, man. I mean, gee, many Christmas. And the whole day was that way. So, And we had so many great conversations with old friends and new friends. and It, it was really cool. Well, and then uh, recently you called me uh, and gave me some uh, great news and the fact that uh, kind of an update on your uh, medical situation. So why don't you talk about that a little bit and where the, what the latest and where that stands. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we went to the doctor to get our um, 
you know, an exam. And, uh, you know, we don't do it exactly every two years, but we do it, you know, once a year. Every four months we do it. Yeah, probably every four months. I don't, yeah, I think, okay. you, I don't think you're waiting yeah. a year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess not. But anyway, we had an MRI done and a CAT scan done. So we had to get that done, and then and then two days later we we're going to get the results, you know. And so you always think, well, you know, we'll see. But if we can just keep doing what we've been doing, which over time had, you know, shown a, a lesser cancer activity and stuff like that. So we uh, so we went through it and uh, got through it, and, and then. We waited the two days to get the results, and that's always, you know, on your mind what's going to happen. You don't know if you got more, if you got less, you don't know where you are. But I felt going into it that uh, everything had gone great. And, and talking to Michelle about it, she she thought everything was going well too. But we had no idea what was what we were going to hear. And so what we heard was, uh, she told us. Uh, your 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 scans are great and anytime i tell you they're great <laughs> that gives you good optimism and uh but i said but she didn't say anything more and i said <laughs> well what's it what what's that mean she said well i think uh it means that um we don't have to see you much anymore and uh i i, I said what's that mean said well, you know, and I was thinking, boy, I hope she's not telling me that this is the end. <laughs> <laughs> she <moving>. says, <laughs> she says, and and she's serious as a bell, man. I mean, she didn't smile or nothing. She says, uh, I'd like to tell you, you're in remission. And uh, I said, remission? Uh, she said, yeah. That's a word. I, that's a word you didn't think you'd hear. That's a word I never thought I'd hear. Right, yeah. And uh, and then cancer language, that means everybody knows cancer's not curable, not yet. And uh, so remission, when you have a good dose of cancer, is what you're looking for. And in the case of me where I was a uh, four-stage lung cancer guy with metastasized brain cancer, when they say remission, that means all that cancer's gone. And, uh, I mean, that wakes you up. And I was just stunned. And, uh, Michelle was stunned. We were both stunned. I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. So we didn't even know how to celebrate. I mean, <laughs> we didn't even know what to say for about the first half an hour before we, absorbed it a little bit you know when they said uh you got brain cancer i absorbed it immediately like mm -hmm. wow my goodness but uh this was like boy it was ecstatic and it just it just capped off an incredible couple weeks and uh i mean you don't you don't even know how to act to it but so many people were so happy and uh it was it was really grand. It was great, and now 
my job is to, to get stronger. I have to, you know, I haven't worked out for a year and, you know, I had done a few things, but I haven't done anything where I could, you know, really let go and, and feel comfortable and safe that I'm okay. And so now I can, and, uh, I'm going to try to get stronger and work, try to keep this disease away from me and hope that it never comes back. Well, we look forward to uh, seeing how you do in the upcoming Chicago Marathon this fall when you run that. <laughs> <laughs> That's not happening. <laughs> and I'm not going to run in any, uh, and I'm not going to do any, uh, you know, what, what, what are those things? Uh, I know Michelle ran in one a couple of years ago. Triathlon. Triathlon, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm not going to train for that, but I, I'm going to do some <laughs> training, though. And I'm going to do a hell of a lot more than I've been doing. So, and I hope that I hope that if I get some muscle on me and get some muscle on my legs, I can I can start to move. I am working. I'm doing better. I mean, since you've seen me, it's just been a few weeks. Uh, I'm walking a lot better. And you know, I I think since I've gotten this uh, this news, I think it in my mind and in my brain. I think my brain is saying, "You're okay." You can do this stuff. You're not going to fall on your butt and mm-hmm. hurt yourself. And, and I, and I feel a lot more confident now. So I feel really good. And I like to thank all the people who have been so kind to me for so long, for a whole year. You know, this thing went on for a year, mm-hmm. and we'll continue to because I'm going to continue to get some chemo treatment, which is basically one drug. But uh, you know. Um, it's just hard to sum up uh, how great everybody's been to me. I mean, I I can't go to a place in Lafayette without someone coming up to me and saying, boy, we've heard your story. We're really pulling for you. We're praying for you. We're, we're hoping you come back and run a marathon for us. Uh, all those things. And, and it's just great. I mean, and, and don't think for a moment that for those people, all those people who have taken the time to write me and, and, and do the things they've done for me, that, that it's not, it's not taken to my, to my heart because it's just amazing. It just, it just, it's just wonderful. Yeah. I can't, I can't answer everybody every time, but believe it. When I say this, if you hear this, if I say, thank you, Boy, I mean it because you're the people, the people, the people, and and you guys in the basketball office too. I mean, you guys and the Purdue fan base have, have been a huge part of of my return to normalcy. So all I can do is say thank you. Well, it's uh, it's great to have you back in this uh, in this position. So we're all we're all very happy and. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning, uh, this we've kind of taken a break um, between now and our last po- our previous podcast, and uh, I kind of wanted to update people and um, just kind of let them know that we are kind of back in in full go mode here, and we've uh, why we have been dealing with weddings and other things and basketball camp and some of the things that occupy us during the summer months. Um, the ever faithful Sylvia Booker has been working behind the scenes <laughs> to line up a lot of guests and uh, so we plan yeah so we plan to do a lot of tapings here over the next few weeks and so hopefully 
the rest of the summer and then right into the fall and uh, right into the start of the season, uh, we will have a lot more podcasts. And it's been amazing how many people have reached out uh, via email or even just people I've seen out around town or around Mackey here who uh, will have a normal kind of conversation and has to do with, with whatever it might be, camp or the program or tickets or things like that. And then at the end, it's like, hey, uh, when are you going to get another podcast out? So uh, we've heard all those requests, and we're glad that uh, we have so many people that are avid listeners. Yeah, we've, so, been, we've been a little lazy, but we, there's <laughs> other things that have been occupying our time. But uh, but we're glad to be back into it. and I'm, Hopefully I can do this for a year or two. Yeah. Absolutely. I asked him about time, and uh, she said to me, um, oh, maybe two years or so, uh, or, and then she said, or four. I said, what, years? Yeah, uh, or six, or eight, or ten. In other words, she doesn't know, but I... I've got a good number out there to reach. and This lady talked- sounds like she torments you. She just sounds like she <laughs> keeps teasing you with, with information. <laughs> well, she's my Florida oncologist. I have one in Lafayette. My one in Lafayette's a little bit more, uh, you know, a little bit more straightforward and, 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 you know, just, Oh, she's a woman I just love, but she's a big Boilermaker fan. We talk more basketball than we talk about the disease. The one you in know, Florida but, sounds like she's going to give you your next update through a game of Pictionary. Make you guess. <laughs> no, she's she's been great too. I had a little trouble <laughs> with her at the very at the very beginning. Um, her name is Doctor Blaine, and she's and, and but she but you know once you get to know them, you know over months. And you see how they are acted, react to things. Then you realize that, you know, that's just the way she is, and and she is, and she's been fantastic. Her whole team has been fantastic to me uh, down here. So, uh, you know, it started here in Florida, it's where it happened, and uh, they they have done a great job here at uh, uh, at uh, Melbourne uh, Center. So we're we're, we're very very pleased in fact all our, our all our medical people have been fabulous well it's great so well uh it, it, all good news and we're all very excited and uh i think we should waste no more time than just to go right no in, no right that, into our good. yeah let's quit talking about that stuff and go into stuff that matters Absol- basketball absolutely let's get right <laughs> back to it let's welcome in now one of the all-time great boilermakers and uh, a Hall of Famer in his own right, uh, Terry Dissinger now welcomes a, w- welcome, Terry, to the uh, Boilerball podcast. And I uh, appreciate you taking time to talk to Larry and I. Thank you so much. I, I love to talk about Purdue. So um, we've done 55 of these episodes now, and a lot of times we like to kind of get a, a little bit of a background. I don't need to, to explain to a lot of our fans, obviously, um, your importance to the program and where you kind of stand in 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 uh, in Purdue history, but I did want to kind of start um, and and talk a little bit about your childhood and your upbringing, um, and wanted to kind of find out when you first kind of found your love for the game of basketball and maybe when you first started playing. Well, uh, my dad was a, a coach. He was a football coach and baseball. 
but back then you were assistant coaches uh, all the time. And so I was, I was with him or in the gym or at the baseball field. He, they had a baseball uh, thing that they do in the summer. And so I was there every day mm-hmm. and I just loved uh, playing no matter what it was. It wasn't just that I played basketball. I played four sports. Uh, and I am one of two athletes who uh, were all-star on all four, uh, the football, basketball, uh, baseball, and track. Who is the, who is the other one? Now, this is the... the uh, there's only two people of the whole time in Indiana sports. So who would be the other one besides me? Boy, I have no idea. Larry, you got any guesses? He's mm. a Purdue man. Mm. Purdue guy, jo- John Wooden. Joe Sexton. Oh, Joe wow. Sexton, yeah. yeah. like that. Wow. <laughs> so... Uh, Anyway, and, you know, in today's world, uh, you just play one sport. Right. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a, we've talked about that before on this podcast. And I've always said that um, when, when players in uh, high school or guys that we're recruiting, we get asked that question from time to time, you know, should we stop playing and just focus on basketball? And it's been interesting because Coach Painter always encourages them. No, he goes, you need to play as much as you you know you can play. And uh, we've had some guys who have over the years who have played multiple sports, and we've always encouraged that from our standpoint. Um, and we think it's it's beneficial. So, but yeah, most kids now just and just kind of gravitate to the one sport. Yeah, and probably so because I I read an article actually this morning. I had another interview I had to do early this morning about seven o'clock and. And I was reading online about some things, and and one was this uh, large story about injuries, the the um, incredible amount of injuries now among youth, and they start and you know b- before high school, and uh, it basically that. And <laughs> by the way, that the idea is that. A lot of these players are broken down before they ever get to college. Right. Yep. And uh, and and one of the ways around that is obviously play other sports with different movements. Obviously, not everyone has the same thing, and uh, and that 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 has really become a, a major major issue. Yeah, and, it really is. Uh, also, uh, it's fun to play different uh, sports, not just one. Yeah, it is. And I think it helps you develop your body and competition. Competition a year round uh, at the highest. And I really, I really uh, like that. I mean, I just love to be out there competing. Well, and you and I, I would assume that you were very good at all those, which obviously helped, uh, which obviously helped with your 
uh, it being able to enjoy those different sports. But Terry, you were, uh, I, I did some reading up on you before we, uh, we, we taped and, um, was interested to know that, uh, you were part of the 1955 Babe Ruth league world championship baseball team. Is that correct? Yes, it was, uh, it was wow. amazing, amazing thing. Uh, here, this, uh, Terre Haute, Indiana group comes down and, and we win it. That's uh, incredible. And you know, that's, you know, it's teamwork too. All, all the things you need to learn to win. And we had it. We had great athletes in Terre Haute when I was there. We had a number of high schools. And so we could, you know, when we, like when we played Babe Ruth, um, we had them from all over the county and the city. And, and we, we won. <laughs> so you, you end up going to Garfield High School in Terre Haute there. And let yes. me ask you this. At what point did you start to realize from a basketball standpoint now that maybe you were a little bit better than some of the other guys you were playing against? Well, you know, uh, I was uh, I was in the eighth grade, and when we had a physical, I found that I had a heart murmur, and I couldn't play mm-hmm. at that time. Uh so I was out for one year. I was just back in uh, Terre Haute here uh, after the the uh, race, and uh, they're wanting to do uh, a statue for a Purple Eagle, uh, and they wanted me to talk to them about you know what what happened. As, as a youngster, and uh, then I had a question answering after I talk, talked, and one of the guys uh, stood up, and he, he says, you know, I saw you when you were a freshman, and you could stumble, stumble over your, your feet. <laughs> and uh, so I, uh, you know, I ran track, uh, which really helped me because speed was one of the good things that I had, and uh, so I uh, I just enjoyed uh, doing all of all the different sports. I actually, football was my favorite as when I was in high school. I just liked hitting people, you know. <laughs> <laughs> back, back then, you couldn't touch anybody when you're playing basketball. Yeah, it's gotten a little more, a little bit more physical over the years. Um, so, talk about your recruitment to Purdue. Um, you were a, a parade All-American in 1958, um, high school Indiana high school All-Star team in 1958, um, and then a parade All-American that year. So, what was your recruitment like um, when you started looking at going to different colleges? That's a great question. Uh, my dad didn't let me talk to any of the schools. Really? Hmm. Uh, and he sat me down when it got to be time, and he says, uh, I don't care where you go to school, but it needs to be in Indiana so we can see you. You know, we still get that from time to time now. And, uh, 
you know, a lot of parents would like to have their uh, their sons close so they can see them, and that's certainly when we're recruiting a kid that's in state. That's a big selling point for us: the the luxury of being able to see um, your son play. And I imagine it was even more important back then, um, with you know, with the games not all being televised like they are nowadays. Uh, well, my uh, grandparents didn't uh, miss any home game, and they went. Uh, to Illinois and so forth. And then my parents missed one game, and it was the game against uh, Michigan State when it snowed and I scored 52. Wow. <clears throat> wow. Wow. I bet they were upset about that then afterwards. So what, well, any, were there any other schools in the state that, that you considered other than Purdue? Well, I, I got to tell you, uh, my my dad would take high school athletes to uh, the different uh, colleges, and most of the time, and I don't know why, this might have been like Purdue, uh, seemed like a lot of them he would take up there to, to Lafayette. Mm-hmm. I had an aunt and uncle who lived in Lafayette, Mm, okay. And so we went to a lot of games at the time. And the Fred, Fred Hubby, the, the president of Purdue, uh, when I would come, come in, each time he would come and see me. Oh, wow. And, and uh, as far as Indiana... Uh, they didn't know I existed until I scored 42 against Gershmeyer. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. I just felt at home yep. in, uh, in Lafayette. So you come to uh, Purdue, and in those days, um, freshmen had to redshirt, correct? Correct. So then Rated you... My life. So you started, in, you started playing like in... What, 60, 61, somewhere? Yep, 60, 61, 62. Yeah, 60, and, uh, 61. And, and guess who you had to go against? That was that was the great Ohio State team, and they got a lot of the publicity out of the Big Ten at that time. But the Busher was – here's what I want to talk about just for a brief moment is the amazing part of – college basketball in those days was one the coverage you you had local coverage as you still do and then you had some regional coverage but television coverage was minuscule and you used to have a game of the week uh, in the big 10 a game of the week would be on and it seemed at that particular time that we had so many great 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 players but they were almost individualized the busher at uh, purdue Cassie russell at michigan uh jimmy rail at indiana and all these guys were so dramatic and so good at putting the ball in the hole man and i i can remember as a kid going to games and i wasn't from indiana i was from ohio but i was a big ohio state fan a big jerry lucas fan and you would just 
you, you just couldn't wait to see these guys play because you'd pay your buck and you go in there and you see them and see them in person and start to watch them fill them up. They they all filled it up like Carson Cunningham did last year. <laughs> Carson Edwards. You mean, yeah. So Terry, did oh, yeah, you feel? Carson, did, did you feel like that? Did you feel? Did you when you were? Um, obviously sitting out a year as, your, as a freshman, but then when you became eligible as a sophomore, did you feel um, – did, did, were you aware kind of as, of the star power of the league at that time, as Larry was referencing? Well, first of all, uh, my freshman year, uh, we had a, a wonderful team. Uh, I mean, it's the, the, the big team, not the freshman team. Mm-hmm. But we – play against them uh every night and uh, uh hoffman was uh, the uh coach for the freshman okay and he helped me so much and i developed my body because i you know i never did get too big <laughs> the body but, uh, but I got so much better, and I I think uh, that's one of the most important things that happened to me when it came to my college basketball, because uh, I don't know what I would be if I had to play when I was a freshman. And also, I was in chemical engineering, so I, you know, had to go to school. Well, and so. It was a great year for me, and I'm. I wish that it could be that way, but I understand why it's not. Uh, you know. Well, so, you you certainly took advantage of that year because I want to I want to read off, and I don't I'm not. I know you'll probably blush on the other end of the line here, but uh, some of the accolades that that uh, and some of the numbers that you racked up during your three years are are just mind blowing. Um, a three time All American, including a consensus All American your junior and senior year. Um, six, right now, currently, uh, Purdue's sixth all time leading scorer. And here's the crazy part about that: you're the sixth all time leading scorer, and right now, uh, number five is Troy Lewis. Now. Troy did it in 124 games, yeah, and you did it in 70. <laughs> so Troy, Troy got now Troy's about about 50 points ahead of you, but he also had 54 more games. How about that? That is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, that's that's for sure. Uh, you know, I don't know how many uh, 30 games I had. 30-point games, it, it was a whole bunch. I mean, I didn't pay a lot of attention to that. I, you know, mm-hmm. that was, I just did it and just played. And, uh, and I, was, I was so quick, and, and I could be any place on the floor. And if somebody's guarding me, I, I, I think I was uh, – I had a free free throw, uh, a whole bunch of free free throws. <laughs> yeah, you uh, yeah you still still sit at the top for the most uh, f- um, free throws attempted and the most free throws made. And what what's um, what's also amazing is you're the third you have the third highest points per game 
of anybody in Purdue history. 28.3 points per game and the all-time highest rebounding average, averaging 13.7 rebounds a game. So for a career here, 28 and 14, nearly 14 rebounds, that's a pretty pretty good numbers. A couple 50-point games and, as you mentioned, uh, numerous 30-point games and a handful of 40-point games as well. So... Um, I love that uh, rebound one. <laughs> that's that's still there. It you know it is, and and I that's always saw your yeah, and your name would always come up in recent years when we had Caleb Swanigan, and so many yeah. times I would see notes after the game. Chris Foreman, our sports information guy, would always put together different notes and different accolades, and that um, that Swanigan was doing, and he would it, he was always getting close to your marks. But never, never getting your marks. You still have a lot of those rebounding records. Well, I really worked hard. Uh, I don't know who I've heard this from, but when when a rebound goes up, most of the time, if it's missed, it's to the other side from which it came. Mm-hmm. And so I I would do there, and I could I could get there with the quickness that I had. And I could get up quick, and if I didn't get it, I could get back up again. But I was in position to get the ball. And for me, uh, I had to guard. I, I was the center. I had to guard the other guys. I had, you know, six eleven guys and stuff like that. And I just put a block on them, like uh, when I was playing football, so they couldn't get there. And mm-hmm. I, I would burn quick and, and get the ball. And so that was, uh, you know, like I said, I could really get get up and come down and get up fast again. And, you know, I got a lot of tip-ins and stuff like that. So anyway, it, it was fun. Well, you, but, did it, you did it at a high level. And uh, I wanted to ask you what was – now your coach uh, during your time was, uh, was Ray Eddy. And uh, yes. what, what was Ray Eddy like as a coach, and how was it to play for him? He was great for me. Uh, and, and I, you know, looking back, uh, I didn't have uh, a whole bunch of shots. I mean, I had, you know, like 50% or something like that. I don't know for sure. Uh, and, uh, but I... I was able to get the ball in places where I could score. And uh, Tim McGinley, you know Tim McGinley? Yeah, yep, we mm-hmm. know Tim. Well, he always tells me as I, he made me because he passed the ball to me. <laughs> well, he, well, he was good. He, he, was, he was amazing. The, in uh, – our senior year, we were playing Indiana, and uh, Coach Eddie told him that he should follow uh, who was the shooter? Jimmy Rail. Jimmy Rail, even into their huddle. <laughs> <laughs> and he he scored, I think, seven points that night. Wow, wow. that is really low for Jimmy Rail. And Jimmy probably averaged thirty-five. Yeah. So that was so that was something. Yeah, it was fun. But I'll tell you this, Coach Eddie. Uh, when I was in high school, I sh- I shot underhand, 
like uh, I can't remember the guy that did it all the all the time. Oh, uh, like uh, Barry, Rick Barry. Yeah, Rick Barry, and and I was good at it. And when I got to Purdue, Coach Eddie says, "No more of that." Really? <laughs> wow, that is interesting. Yeah, and I did well, you know, uh, the normal shooting way. Wow, that is a that's a little known fact. So let me ask you. So another um, another one of the many accolades and. Uh, of your basketball career, 1960, you get named to the Olympic team, and uh, that team was coached by Pete Newell, who was a legendary coach at uh, Cal in Berkeley. There, uh, won yeah. NCAA title, and uh, that those Olympic games were held in Rome. Um, and yeah. I, I read about this, and I want to—I didn't know if this was was true or not, but I wanted to see what your if if I got the right information. You were the youngest player on that team. Is that correct? Yes, uh, I was 19 years old. Uh, you know, I had just finished my sophomore year, and uh, we had Oscar Robertson, Jerry Jerry West. Oh, uh, of course. Uh, Listen, I mean, think about that: Oscar Robertson, Jerry yeah. West, Jerry Jerry Lucas. But you started. First. First two guys he mentioned are West and uh, and Robertson. <laughs> yeah, well, Lucas ended up being on that team too. We we were really close. That was really neat. But here's what happened: uh, they I get a, a, a uh, <clears throat> I got something from the Olympic team that I was going to be on the college all-star team okay now back then they had uh, teams like phillips 66 aau teams yep and and they were amateur it was all amateur and so they were they went we went to denver and so i uh had never been on a jet plane uh I'd never seen mountains. Wow. And here I am. I land and I'm on this team. Wow. It was it was surreal. The whole thing was surreal. And so I get there and Pete Newell's our coach and we got a whole bunch of all Americans and uh, we we practiced three three days and when it came game time I was in starting lineup. Incredible. Uh, and it was it was just it was just so much fun. I you know, I was just out there running around and uh it was interesting, uh Oscar some some paper asked him uh, why he didn't score more on that team. And he said I didn't need to. Terry and Jerry and the other Terry, they got open all the time. I just ran around and got open. Wow. And he'd throw it to me. And uh, it was, I mean, it, it's hard to explain uh, how it was for me. Uh, one, one, one of the things that happened with that, Olympic team, we played some games in, in the U.S. before we went over mm-hmm. to Rome. 
and we lost our first game. Wow. Nobody ever, nobody ever talked about that thing. <laughs> wow! But after that game, uh, I found out through my dad, who talked to Pete Newell, uh, that Oscar and Jerry uh, went into him after that game and, and said, "If you don't put Terry and, and Jerry Lucas." In the starting lineup, we're going home. <laughs> wow! Wow! Well, Pete, Pete, give credit to Coach Newell. He listened to his stars, and he got you. And he uh, ended up getting the gold medal. And now, you, as you mentioned, you start in that game. You averaged just under twelve points during the games. Um, I always hear uh, people who have competed in the Olympics talk about that that moment when you get the gold medal and. Now, in those days, did they have the medal ceremony like they do nowadays, where they're they're playing the national anthem and they're giving you uh, distributing the medals? <laughs> yeah, uh, <clears throat> you get. <clears throat> I got tears in my eyes right now for what what that's like. Wow, that is uh, so. Yeah. It, it's everything they say it is, huh? The great thing about it is you're representing the United States of America. You're not on your college team or your pro team or whatever. And it's just a, a wonderful feeling uh, when they when they play the Star Spangled Banner. Wow, that's really. a, that's incredible. That is a, that is really cool. And on that team, I know that um, were you a fan of Oscar before being on that team with him? He was my man. Uh, you know, he was two years ahead of me. And uh, I'll tell you a story, which this is one of the greatest things that ever happened for me. Uh, we got inducted into the Hall of Fame, our team. And so we go to Massachusetts or wherever it was. And uh, we, our team... Uh, went up and Oscar and Jerry were our captains so they spoke and so the whole team were there and when we got done we came down and Oscar was seated right on the in the front row right on the aisle and I was in the third row and when I came down he stood up he hugged me and told me that he loved me Oh, that's awesome. That and is that's, awesome. that's not like Oscar. He was my uh, roommate uh, during the Olympics. Oh, okay. So, so that was, that was, you know, that was just cool for me. Just to, <laughs> yeah, that's a special, absolutely, it's a special moment. Yeah. So you get the great you get the great experience of the Olympics. Um, you have three really successful seasons here at Purdue, um, and then uh, in 1962, the NBA draft. Um, you were taken eighth overall. And here's the interesting thing about this: is that was actually the second round. They had I, I'm assuming they had seven teams um, in the league at that time. Um, you go in the second round, the eighth overall pick uh, to the Chicago Zephyrs. Um, and you begin your professional career. Um, so, so talk us through kind of what that was like and starting off uh, playing professionally. 
Well, first of all, I was going to go and play for Phillips 66 uh, because I was a chemical engineer, and it's really a nice way I, I understood that they took care of their basketball players. Mm-hmm. And so I went down to Bartlesville, Oklahoma uh, in the summer, and uh, I decided that I didn't want to be in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> and I had something else, too, is I had gotten a diploma. I had to go another semester to get my diploma. Mm. And so I signed a contract that I at the first semester that I would play uh, uh, in that I, I would play in on um, in weekends and holidays mm-hmm. that semester. Gotcha. So so I would uh, be in school for the week. And then I would get on a plane and fly to wherever we, we played. Wow. And one, one uh, weekend, I flew to uh, the West Coast. So, <laughs> you're, I, so classes at Purdue and then that weekend playing basketball on the West Coast. Yeah, and holidays. Wow. Uh, and not just the West Coast. It would be wherever the – the Zephyrs were playing at that time. And so when I went to San Francisco, I taped my ankles in the cab while I was going to the arena Amazing. and played that night. <laughs> wow. Amazing. Well, what, what, where I want to project in here too is because I was, uh, you know, what, what year I graduated? 65. I was 18. So we're talking, I'm about 13, 14, 15 years old. But people have to understand those days, you didn't have much basketball on TV. And if you did have it on TV, it was the Celtics and the Hawks. Yeah. Uh, basically every week. And then uh, those great Boston teams. And then uh, the Hawks had some good teams too. But, yep, they're very good. But uh, but they, the, the amateur teams, like he talks about, um, they would be almost regionally televised around here. The Akron Cleveland area yeah. would always, would yeah. always have uh, the the uh, 66ers on or whoever they were. And I'd sit at home and watch these guys. Play. And, man, I'm telling you what, you got a good product to watch. Good I mean, basketball, it was, it, huh? It, it, it was a good basketball product to watch because these are the guys, you know, hey – when you only have eight teams, right? Yeah, you, you only have X number of players, and and these amateur teams uh, had a lot of good players on them, and, and yeah. You know, well, that's it, what I was thinking on doing, you know. And I would be a chemical engineer and work at Phillips and go up through the ladder, uh, but I wanted to play in pros. <laughs> I really did, and. Uh, so I ended up playing, I think, something like 52 games that year. Mm-hmm. And I was voted Rookie of the Year by the players. That really? Was, that is... By the players. It, uh, that was 
one of the greatest things that happened to me. That is really cool. Wedding. Yeah. You know, because when I when it first started, they said the weekend warrior. You know, I come into yeah. with the team, and, and you know, it was like, wow, how could I get away with something like that? Well, you but had... it was very important for me to get my diploma. Yes. Uh, well, and, and, I, could, and you... I couldn't, I couldn't get the classes uh, unless I went at semester. I couldn't get it in the summer, so. Well, you it worked you out great. Worked out great. You got your degree, and the, and your rookie of the year probably uh, your rookie year couldn't have gone any better. Uh, tw- average over twenty five points a game, eight rebounds, just over three assists a game. As you mentioned, fifty seven games that year. Uh, named rookie of the year. Uh, got your degree, so that was a, a a big year professionally for you. And and then you, huge. yeah, and then you go on to play. Uh, between uh, Chicago and Baltimore, the Baltimore Bullets, uh, spent a year with the Detroit Pistons. And so let me ask you this, because as I was reading things over here, you're, th- uh, you're three years into your professional career, and then you leave the NBA for military service. Is that correct? Correct. And so was- I, took, I, took, I took ROTC uh, through at Purdue for four, four years. Okay. And it was during Vietnam and and I was able to play three years before I had had to go I was going to have to go sometime mm-hmm. and uh, so uh, they sent me to Oahu in Hawaii mm-hmm. and I played on the army basketball team but I also uh I coached the all army team while I was there, but I also, uh, uh, I, I did, uh, the gas mask thing with, with all the troops that came through. There. Oh, really? Wow. So like yeah. train, you trained them and, and, uh, and prepared yeah. them. Oh, wow. So you were, yeah. and you were over there two years, is that right? Two, two years, yes. And, uh, and in Hawaii, I went over there, the colonel who was number two from the general, uh, he says, you know, he wanted me to come in. He says, do you know why you're here? I says, oh, I don't know why I'm here. <laughs> and he says, we're losing recruits from the army because we don't have a good basketball team and they, they had, they had a great, uh, military conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they had the Marines, the Navy, the air force, the sub and us. And then they had some uh, good players, college players that had their own team. And so anyway, I had uh, a great time in when I was in the service. Of course, they didn't have the kind of money that when I was, <laughs> I got the first three. But anyway, when I was while I was there, uh, one of the fellows that was on the basketball team uh, was from Pittsburgh, and we played Pittsburgh mm. uh, 
and I played against him when he was in college. Oh, okay. And so we're we're playing on the same army team, and he's a dentist. Oh. And he, says, what, what do you, what do you plan to do, Terry, when you get done uh, playing pro basketball? I says, well, I don't know. He says, have you ever thought about going into dentistry? I says, well, I did think about it, but there was a lot of time going to school, and I didn't know if I wanted to do that. And he says, well, you know, uh, there's one school, uh, it's Tennessee, that you could go during the season, uh, two semesters, and then you could go and play basketball. And so I I wanted to go to tennis school. So I, I, I got in touch with uh, Red Cup Abdi. He told me if I ever needed something, let him know. And so I called him up and I says, I need to get into <laughs> one Denny Dental School. And he says, well, what one is it? And I said, it's Tennessee. He says, oh, the head of Tennessee is my golfing buddy. So the next, the next day, I was, I was in dental school. Wow, that is incredible. I, I wondered about that because I read a little bit about, um, and forgive us here with this noise, we're, we're actually having some office renovations done, but um, I, I wondered how that, that transition to, to going into dentistry, and now that all gets explained that the, your teammate and, and uh, the guy from Pittsburgh, that, that's amazing. But you now, after you leave the service, you you played now for what five, six more years, more seasons before you then went and practiced dentistry. Yeah, six more years. And you uh, end up end up the with your MBA when it's all said and done. You played over six hundred and fifty games and averaged uh, nearly fourteen points a game, over five rebounds, nearly two assists. So you had a a really really good MBA career. Nine seasons in the NBA. And you retire, or your last season, rather, uh, was uh, with the Portland Trailblazers. And then eventually you make that your home. Yes. We, uh, it was interesting. I, uh, I was in Detroit, and we weren't going anywhere. And I was, <laughs> I was looking for a place to start my dental uh, mm-hmm. practice. And uh, the general manager of Portland came down to Tennessee to see me, said, we'd like for you to come up to Portland and play. And so we came up here and we, we never saw mountains, you know, and we come in here and you've got these beautiful mountains, these beautiful trees, the people were just awesome yeah and my wife says this is where we're going to settle down <laughs> <laughs> well you could have picked a lot worse places than portland it is gorgeous out there as you said it's it's been wonderful for our kids our family it's it just worked out great and you know i had i've had a great orthodontic practice i'm you know i do braces and make smiles and I loved that just as much as I had did my basketball, and you know, it, not too often do you get two things that you love as much as each one. Yeah. So 
it was it was great. Well, you've had a remarkable um, career in in not only in sports, but uh, as you said, in in dentistry and making smiles and uh, uh, one of the icons of uh, Purdue basketball. And uh, you know your name's up there in the rafters, and you've always been really good. To, uh, the the current um, program, and you've always stayed in touch with us. I know we see you when every time we go out to Maui, we see you, and I know you're back here from time to time and still very active um, with the other alums around campus and things of that nature. So it's always uh, it's always great um, anytime we get a chance to talk uh, to one of our our legends around this program. So, um, well, I love I love Purdue. It was great place for me uh i you don't know that i played baseball in my senior year oh i did not know that (laughs) yeah wow i i felt that uh i didn't have to worry that much about the books (laughs) in the last semester (laughs) yeah there you go there you go and so anyway that was that was um fun for me we we go to other big 10 schools and they say throw them a basketball <laughs> i wish they would have i probably <laughs> hit it better than the baseball <laughs> well terry we end all of our interviews with uh, four final questions and these are kind of some off the beaten uh, path um, topics so we want to do our final four with you today and uh <laughs> The first question we a- we ask everybody that comes on the podcast is, "What is your favorite music or m- go-to music of choice?" Uh, Elvis Presley. Really? Okay. Very cool. You know, we were in in Tennessee. We were in Nashville, uh, Memphis. Yeah. And yeah, Memphis. Yeah. So, that's where he was at, at that time. He was our boy. Wow, that's awesome! Very cool. I, by the way, I I've been listening to him on my car when I just the last year. I think about I've done that for about three months. Nice. <laughs> that's great. Our uh, second question here on the final floor is: What is your favorite book, or maybe a good book that you've recently read? Oh my gosh, the the book. Uh, it's about it was written on, on basketball. And I can't remember exactly what it is, and it, it was really good. Maybe one of those uh, encyclopedia type books, or the book of basketball. No, it was, all on... it, was, it was all on players. Uh, I, I can't remember. Bill Simmons' book? No. I I don't know. <laughs> my my son gave me the book and says, you need to read this. <laughs> <laughs> now, did it feature some of the players that you played with? Oh, yeah. It was about our time. Oh, that's great. That is great. Now, when you yeah. read things like that, are they? Do you find that they're? Um, do you ever encounter anything where you're like, "Well, that's not exactly true"? Oh, well, I don't. You know, I don't know about anybody else. Uh, they they have things that 
weren't right for me sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Well, I'm glad that at least the stuff that I read on you in preparing for this, at least a lot of that stuff was accurate. So I feel pretty good about that. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so the third question here on the final four is uh, if you could um, wave a wand and do any other profession, what would that be? Any other profession? A pro golfer. You know that yeah. that now that has probably been our most popular answer for that question. We've had three or four people that have said that they would love to be a pro golfer, and it would be Terry's. A, Terry's a very good player. Not what? anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said was because <laughs> I understand the age difference. But uh, I yeah, there's trying. yeah. Boy, I played with you a few years, well, quite a few years ago. and I was just amazed at how good you were. But, uh, yeah, nervous. I was club championship uh, and also the 50 and over win. Yeah. And I'm trying to get that I can get the real old. But I don't know. I don't think I'm going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> but you still play? I, I do. That's great. Well, that's if great. That's what, if that's what you want to call it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, our final question here on the Final Four is, is there anything uh, that no one or not many people know about you? Oh, gosh. My wife is sitting right here, and she's stooped, so I guess there's... <laughs> Uh, my wife was saying probably the uh, Babe Ruth League World Series. Yeah, that was a. I was really a, I was amazed to, to read that, and it's hard. It's hard for guys like of your stature to uh, on that question because so much has been written about them and talked about them, and um, you have a lot of uh, re really cool things in your in your life and background that have been documented and talked about. So. Yeah, I think the one that would be the most, which I've already talked to you about, is the All-State uh, for, you know, football, football, baseball, and track. I, yeah. I came in second in the low hurdles uh, in the state meet and third in the high hurdles. And, you know, you heard earlier that this one fella, when I was talking, said I was stumbling all over my, my feet. So uh, I think what I did at track made me what I was uh, back then. Well, it all worked out really well. And, uh, and as we said, you had a tremendous career and, and – uh, and two careers and not only basketball but then on into uh, into dentistry and larry and i just want to say thank you for taking time to join us today and it's uh it was great uh, talking and going kind of down memory lane with you here well thanks elliot and larry uh anytime i can talk about purdue i'm going to talk that <laughs> <laughs> was it's great listening to you and hearing about those days and uh this guy is uh, 
let's see how many years you've been gone now 30 or 40 and uh, I don't count <laughs> yeah well I can tell you what your name is still as legendary as it ever was yeah that's amazing and, for me uh, you know when I when I come back you know I come back for the 500 every year and of the people I see and it's 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 fun uh, I wear uh, Purdue clothes <laughs> and that that gets it too so yeah anyway. I, saw, I saw him this year larry I, I went to the 500 this year as i always do and i saw terry down there right outside of turn uh one uh, right outside the track and went up and we had a good chat and got our got my picture taken with him and <laughs> and uh, it was it was great to see him so and great to talk to you today terry and uh, thanks so much for taking time thank well, you thank terry you. Thank you. It's a joy. Well, we want to thank everybody for listening and uh, let them know that if you want to give us any feedback, you can always do that at boilerballpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again. Episode 55 here with the great Terry Dissinger. And until next time, be curious, be informed, and be well. (laughs) 